What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode number 54 of My Social Life. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and before we jump into today's conversation with Justin Odisho, there's a couple things that we need to go over first. Number one, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please consider leaving a rating and a review. The more positive ratings and reviews we get, the more it helps people find the podcast and really helps to grow the community that we're developing here. And if you're one of those people that have recently found the podcast, welcome. I'm very excited to have you here. Make sure you subscribe, stay tuned for future episodes. And to everybody listening, make sure you screenshot this, post it to your Instagram story, tag at my social life podcast, and I'll feature you on the account and send you a message as well. Now, without further ado, let's get to my conversation with Justin Odisho. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to My Social Life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly, and today we're joined by Justin Odisho. And Justin is a YouTuber with over 700,000 subscribers, and I'm really excited to have you on the podcast today to learn if it was all an accident or if he's just this good. Justin, welcome to the podcast. (laughs) I like that you did the research. Also, (laughs) very good intro. I usually have to do mine like twice or thrice. Yeah. I mean, I was lucky. I got a one take. I'm pretty stoked on it right now. Thanks for having me though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's my pleasure. So where I kind of want to start, so your YouTube account, so for anyone that doesn't know, Justice Good was Justin's first real YouTube username. But before that, you were editing uh, Halo and video game content, right? So I guess I could explain. Probably nobody knows what you're talking about. But um, uh, in a way, it was kind of an accident, but also on purpose. When I when I started YouTube, I had accounts before and eventually I started a new account with the idea of posting stuff that was like, um, I was into Photoshop and stuff. So I thought, let me post something because I was using music and things that were copyright content mm-hmm. on the others and they kept getting taken down and things like that. So I started a brand new account and I said, let me just post because I liked posting, but what can I post that's not copyrightable? So I thought, well, I'm pretty decent at Photoshop. So let me do some like Photoshop editing stuff. So I made a random username, which is just actually the lyrics, like some random lyrics from a song because I didn't expect that I would ever turn this into anything with my face on it or name on it. It was literally just a random account for me to post videos on. I eventually changed it to my real name. And uh, I think I changed it at like 40,000 subscribers. Okay. So where did kind of like your love and skill and ability on Photoshop come from? Like, why were you using it before starting a YouTube channel? Uh, So I must have been, it's been honestly a long time and I'm still somewhat young, I guess. But I started when I was like 15 or 14 or 15 or 16, like 10 years ago. And I... I remember my brother had uh, gotten After Effects for some reason. We used to we used to play a lot of Xbox Live, and when you used to play these online games, if anyone's a gamer out there, then you congregate online on like forums and websites to like talk about the game or watch videos about the game. This is before YouTube was huge, and before like Reddit and all that. I guess just people would just go on specialized forums, and on these forums there would always usually be a graphics or video section where people would create graphics or video. So that's kind of how I got into making photo editing, like Photoshop graphic content and then like video editing as well. It's um, just kind of through being a on the internet and in, in these online communities. 
Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things I kind of want to break down from there. One, the gaming and one, the forum. So we'll start with the gaming. So from like my understanding, you were a pretty good Halo player back in the day. <laughs> where did I say that? <laughs> I don't I remember why remember. I even said that, but I'd say I was pretty good. Like probably not good as these Fortnite kids today are, but I feel like if I would have just dropped out of high school and spent 10 hours a day playing games, I might have been able to win some local tournaments, but probably wouldn't have been able to make a career out of it. So good thing I didn't do that. <laughs> and like speaking of Fortnite, I'm glad you said that because you also once said, and like this was obviously completely sarcastic, but you said that you low-key invented Fortnite with some like drawings you did back in the day. Oh, that was, uh, geez, you're like Nardwar. Um, <laughs> you know who Nardwar is? I do, yeah. Uh, I don't remember, but I have these drawings that I did in like third or fourth grade that are like Fortnite characters and Fortnite weapons. Yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's totally awesome. random. I don't think that's anywhere. And I haven't posted. Maybe I'll have to post pictures of them. My old artworks. As you say, it'd be cool to see like how it compares to like what Fortnite is today. It's pretty similar. I have like HP and shields. And well, I guess, you know, the concept of health and shields is not anything new. So my third grade self probably got it from somewhere that Fortnite got it from. <laughs> so like, like when Fortnite came out, then you kind of saw the look of the game. Like, were you kind of like, holy shit, like this looks just like the drawings I did back in the day? No, no, no. It wasn't even like, it was literally just like an amusing thought that I thought would be funny to tweet or something. It wasn't like anything, that, any like serious theory. Mm-hmm. I just tweet uh, random stuff all the time. That's fair. But uh, you also mentioned the forums and like you were really big in the bodybuilding forums, right? So yeah, I used to. So back in the day, I also used to like work at a gym. And everyone would go on these like crazy bodybuilding forums and the and back then that was like where I feel like it was really popular. They had like the the uh, random section of the bodybuilding forums. It's kind of like Reddit. I feel like Reddit wasn't popular back then, so people would just hang out on the on- popular online forums. There was a few. I used to go on like some music, uh, some music forums that had popular sections, the bodybuilding forums, and. Uh, on there as well, people would have like graphic sections. It's been so long now, I can't recall, but lots of memes and just internet culture in general on there. I guess it probably helped build up my internet skills, if that's a thing. Yeah, no, totally. And then it was like kind of through those forums and where when you first started doing those Photoshop tutorials, your videos kind of started to pop off, right? I wouldn't say it was through the forums, but I was definitely... so. Uh, this just is just one way okay so the story is actually really long I started making uh started making these videos on a previous YouTube channel to try to get these like reward points to get like video game stuff on this survey site this is way way back this is like my first dabblings into really what I was doing was like affiliate commissions but I didn't realize it and uh you would wow this is making my brain overload from how old it is (laughs) but um anyway so then so i i was always like interested in tinkering with the numbers and seeing how many people i just enjoyed more than making videos about a certain subject i just enjoyed in general like seeing how audiences worked and seeing how many views or clicks you can get this is before adsense and open monetization for everyone so it wasn't necessarily a money-driven thing. I just 
it was just interesting to me to see if I post this with this thumbnail and this title, I can get this amount of clicks or see number see like how the numbers added up. Um so the 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 bodybuilding forums were just like a popular place on the internet at the time and I would just po I would just share links to my like my when I first started the Photoshop channel, the first one or two videos, I thought, well, where can I post these? I just post them on the bodybuilding forums and uh and they had like some upvoting system back then where you could like give like three or four upvotes or green votes a day and I would be like watch this video and I'll give you my free votes for the day <laughs> so they could get it's it, it's 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 like a whole economy but that would maybe get my first video like a thousand views or something mm-hmm. but after that it just kind of naturally like I definitely stopped going on those forums and just continued doing YouTube in general. But yeah, at first, that's how I got the idea. I think someone left a comment like, instead of, I was just doing Photoshop, like putting a tattoo on someone, but someone said, why don't you actually show how to do it instead of just showing you doing it? So then I made some tutorials and then it just kind of snowballed. Mm-hmm. Like one of your first couple of videos, like today is I think sitting at over a million views. It's one of your most viewed videos of all time, right? Um. I don't think it's at a million, but I definitely have some of my first videos I made. I think like the second video I ever made is in like my top 10 most viewed. It's like uh, how to do a black and white and color effect in Photoshop. And it has like, I think like 700,000 views or something at the moment. But it's in it's in like the top 10 or 20 videos that I've made, which is beginner's luck, I guess. <laughs> That's crazy. Like what were some other things you were doing at the time to try and grow your your channel and get views other than just posting in the forums and stuff? Um, man, so I can't really remember anything sticking out, like any crazy weird tactics like that. Um, I think honestly, the topic of Photoshop tutorials was just kind of relevant and it wasn't like they got 700,000 views overnight. Actually, all of them were quite as, I can't ever remember waking up to like a bombardment of views. It was all, it was all like really gradual because the content is pretty evergreen. So I think I don't know why it just it just kind of snowballed and I don't think I did too much crazy stuff except really made like good I had a, had a good eye for like topics and titles and eventually just became a decent teacher I guess. And you and you mentioned Reddit earlier is that any part of your strategy still or for the most part would you say you're kind of done with the forums? Um I never actually really used Reddit for strategy. I definitely browsed Reddit casually. Um, I don't really browse it much anymore. I used to browse like some random subreddits. I definitely did. I have an account on there and sometimes I'll go and just like see if anyone's... I mean, I just have an account on there just in case like someone DMs me a question or something or there's a certain thread. I did try for a while to see if sharing on certain subreddits like photoshop or premiere like answering people's questions on there but i never really went too deep in there it was just kind of just there i mean really on reddit people are just like <laughs> the only time i use it recently is people are is are trying to like i wouldn't know i don't know if i'm gonna call it pirating but like sharing like all these different youtubers products and stuff and trying to trade them and i'm like hey i just go in there and like hey i mean 
Can you please not maybe trade the stuff that's for sale? And if you want, you can message me if you can't afford it and maybe I can help you out. But I never said you had permission to go in here and trade it. But I guess you can't stop everyone. Mm -hmm. And to like give context to people, like how you were still in high school, right? When you started doing these Photoshop tutorials? Yeah, definitely. I started YouTube in, I started, I mean, YouTube launched in 2006. I started posting random stuff in like 2000. I started making videos in 2007-ish and then probably started posting to YouTube in like 2008-ish and then started this account in 2011. Okay. So like how big did you grow it then before kind of going off to college? Um, so I had, I, I, I definitely, I remember doing the numbers just a couple of years ago. My first year of YouTube, I grew to 2,000 subscribers. My second year to 20,000. And then... I stopped keeping track, but like I eventually got to around 40-ish thousand before I just for some reason stopped uploading for a long time because I got a job and went to college and I wasn't really making much, any money really. Mm -hmm. um, I wasn't trying to make money, but... Yeah. Uh, what did you end up going to school for? Uh, I, was, I, I was pretty lost in college. I kind of just wrote through general credits for as long as I possibly could before finally just picking a information technology major because I thought that that seemed like a decent idea. So then I just picked that and did it. I, I initially picked biology because that sounded smart, but definitely <laughs> hated that and switched to information technology and just, just wrote that out and finished it. Okay, so like kind of looking back on it now, like what is your opinion of people going to school? So like, do you think it's a good idea? It's a bad idea? It depends on what you're going to school for. Like where do you kind of land on that? Well, it's a really complicated subject and uh, I'm not going to pretend to have the correct answer for everyone. Um, it's a really long subject, but I think, I definitely think that this, for me, it might not have necessarily been the right choice. I definitely think there's a there's a vast wealth of resources out there from from the internet to just books in general to YouTube to you know there's just a vast amount of resources out there. Here's the thing with school. If you when it comes to actually learning, I think you can learn anything just as well on your own. Perhaps I'm biased because I'm I'm pretty autodidactic and I can learn by myself. Um, but I really do, do believe that when it comes to credentials, sure, there might still be some, some technicalities and, and legal things like yet. Yeah, I think that you could study to be, I think you could be really knowledgeable about everything that, that comes with the mouth and teeth and dentistry. I technically think you could learn that on your own, but you obviously can't practice it legally without the credentials and it probably would be much more difficult to learn that kind of thing without i don't know if they have like models and clay and all these resources in school but i feel like i went off track but there i haven't even even touched the surface on the subject like the thing with with school is it it is expensive compared to what you're learning and i think everyone has to look at their situation like 
I don't know, bounce bounce off of me before I ramble myself. To that. <laughs> That's okay. I think like you're on the right track. Like I think there's just so much available out there now where you can learn pretty much everything. But like the, the example you were saying where it came to like dentistry or medical and stuff, I do think that going to traditional school to get the like the practical experience of actually doing it is important. Like if you just read for hours and hours about dentistry and then tried to practice without actually like having someone guide you, that might not be the best idea. But I think like in a field of like technology or different things like that it's just there's so much out there that will allow you to learn on your own so i really think it kind of comes down to like what you want to get out of school yeah if that makes sense yeah and and i know everything i said is probably so cliche but there's a truth to it and i think the system i don't have anything wrong with i don't see anything wrong with like a place for people to go and and be curious about stuff and be around people in their age and try to figure out their life but it needs to change. Like back in the day, perhaps it was much more, it was a much better value. But now, like I had to take out a student loan and everything. And, you know, a lot of people are just going to, like I went to a community and a commuter type of college. So I wasn't even getting like the full college experience. And it's just, it's just outdated. Like you're going to go to sit in a classroom, commute there for for an hour a day sit there for an hour just to go home and like watch some YouTube videos or or get assigned a YouTube video or a book about it. Or, you know, even if you do learn, you're learning at like such an inefficient pace as opposed to what you have available to you. And this goes even beyond college, like even to high school and, and junior high. Like these the kids these days have everything in their pocket and they're gonna sit in one hour segment chunks of I don't know. I'm definitely perhaps a bit jaded on the subject. I think the the environment can be great. I think there needs to be a lot of change around it because it's not like tech in, the internet is 20 years old-ish. Okay, it's not 20 years old, but the, the modern internet as we know it is 20, 30 years old. And it just it just increased, it just evolved so rapidly that there needs to be changes in, in university as well. I hope I don't sound like a complete idiot about this, but no, no, <laughs> you, you get the points to whoever's listening. Like yeah. I'm not against it. And I really, the best thing I got from, from perhaps it is all just like a matrix game. Like, Oh, you weren't here supposed to be learning biology. Anyway, you're just supposed to be here to learn how to balance workloads and communicate with your peers. <laughs> is it just like an all matrix game and I'm just taking it too literally? I don't know. <laughs> I think you made a good point too when it came to like like not necessarily college but like primary education stuff where they have access to the internet now. So like memorization, it probably shouldn't be a big factor when it comes to education. Um, I don't know if you have you ever heard of Steve Bartlett? Mm, no. The way I, I kind of explain it to him to people is he's kind of like a twenty six year old British version of Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. So he like started the the uh, agency called social chain. They're one of the biggest social media agencies in the world. And he has a big problem with the modern education system. And so he like went undercover as a teacher and they filmed it for this TV show. And now apparently him and his agency are launching some like modern version of the education system. And I'm very interested to see kind of what that looks like when they finally kind of roll it out. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't want to pretend to know all the answers and I don't want to make it black and white, but there's definitely some points to be addressed on the school system of today compared to the technology of today and if it's as efficient as it should be i think we can get back to a place where because i think a university like 
I look at these universities like Harvard and these like beautiful historic ones, and I, I think that's a beautiful thing if if it if done right. But obviously, not everything about it. Like it needs to change. But anyways, yeah, I feel like we're yeah. beating a dead horse. <laughs> uh, but one thing you mentioned kind of a little bit earlier on was you were kind of lost when you went to college, and you ended up giving a TED talk on trying to like figure out what you want to do with life. But before we kind of get into the TED talk, what was it like to actually give a TEDx talk? Like, how did it feel like to be standing there on that red carpet? Yeah, well, it is TEDx first, so. Definitely. It wasn't as cool, I guess. But um, I was just nervous and anxious because <laughs> obviously public speaking is, is it's funny because I speak publicly to hundreds and thousands of people every day, but that's not like I'm actually publicly speaking to real people. It's like I'm recording it and putting it out there to the public. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I just made sure I memorized it. And it's fun. It's fun speaking. It went it went well, luckily. I don't think I I didn't forget anything. Definitely had to practice though. That's good. Uh, do you have any advice for people that were kind of like in your situation where they're not really too sure what to be doing with their life and they're kind of looking around and there's almost like there's too many possibilities and they really don't know? Um I think that the problem was that I did know what I wanted to do, but I didn't actually consider all my options. I had like eliminated some things off the bat in my head because they weren't realistic right like i knew i i was good at creating online content but it just seems unrealistic when we're talking about these ridiculous forums and videos and games and posting stuff obviously now it's evolved into such a big industry that it just seems common sense but back then I was like, this is the stuff I do for fun. But then like, what am I going to do in real life? Oh, I need to get an IT job because that sounds like a real job. And not that there's anything wrong with it. It is a real job. But for me, I was making this distinction in my head. Like I didn't even consider. It's like the answer was right in front of me the whole time, but I was blind to it because it just didn't. I was just programmed to think that my definition of a job was programmed. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I totally get you. But I think like an interesting takeaway from that is like knowing what you wanted to do, but feeling like you couldn't do it. So I feel like that's the case. A lot of people, they know what they would want to do if they could do anything, but they're too scared to actually try it. So the real thing there is like actually attack and go after what you want to do. Yeah. And, and yeah, I think, I think most of us actually know what we like to do, but it's hard to see how that could become a career. But I also think that touches into another huge topic. Like, I don't know if everybody can can do what they do their dream job. I don't know. It seems I, I have both sides. I do believe like like you can do a lot, but I also might not. I might have failed too if per, per, maybe the right circumstances weren't around in my life and environment. But I also did definitely work towards it. But can everybody become a podcaster? I don't know. I'm not a podcaster, but can everybody have a YouTube channel? Can everybody? I don't know. What do you think? I think, yeah, I think you're right. I think the way I kind of look at it is anybody can do it, but the amount of work and like things that have to go right and in your favor 
won't happen to everybody. Like not everybody's going to put in the amount of work and do the things that you've done to grow your channel. If that makes sense, right? Like anybody is capable of it, but very few people actually put in the work and take the time to do what's required to get there. And then on top of that, there's a little bit of luck involved too. So I yeah. think it's possible for anyone, but it's not going to happen for everyone. I think the weird part is I just so happen to be doing all this online content creation stuff for a long time, like 10 years now. I just, it is what I naturally inclined to do before it was popular. I think the weird part is now it's become like the most desirable job. And, mm -hmm. you know, I never wanted to be like an NBA star or anything like that. This is just what I happen to naturally have been doing since a teenager. So I believe as long as you're, as long as you're, I think everyone should know themselves. Like as long as you're aware of of your situation and and your skills and and your wants and everything like that, don't be too realistic to the point where you're not considering everything. But don't also don't try to predict the future. Like it might be all this YouTube and online media stuff today, but maybe you're you're into I don't know some weird new sport that doesn't exist yet yeah i don't know it's such a complicated topic i can't i can't i can't uh attempt to be knowledgeable about anyone else's situation but mine yeah that's fair but kind of back to your own situation you said you stopped doing youtube for a while through college you had a job when did you get back into it yeah so like i said i was just going to college um doing retail job, part-time freelance stuff, whatever. Eventually, you know, I never stopped being lost in college. And then the closer and closer graduation got, time doesn't stop. So time kind of forced me to say, okay, buddy, you know, you're not going to magically come up with the answer if you just keep coasting through some random degree. And it forced me to decide, it forced me to actually take a look at things and say, what if I could do my own thing at least, you know, do my own thing. Cause I really, the more, the closer I get to graduation, I still don't see myself ever going and getting some IT job and like I just couldn't envision myself in that future. So at that point, about the last year of my degree before graduation, I really went all in on uh, doing my own thing. And that went from doing freelance to starting my own like little freelance social media thing and managing some brand, some local brands and doing all type of stuff until finally I just quit everyone else and just focused on myself as a client only and just grew the channel and the website. And it luckily worked by the, I don't know if it was luck or timing. I don't know, but it worked by the time I graduated. One of the things that you did, I believe, around the time is this, when things started to pick up is you posted like every single day for 100 days plus, right? Yeah. I, I don't think that like would be like some magic algorithm trick anymore, but I do think just doing something daily forces you to, like if you go to the gym every single day, it's going to be a lot better than if you go once a week. Well, depends on your ideology of training, but you know, if you practice, if you, if you read every single day, you're going to get a lot more done than if you read once a week, right? You're going to read, finish a lot more books. You're gonna make a lot more progress towards whatever goal 
in a lot of cases. So I don't think it was necessarily that like the algorithm got hacked by some magical 100 days in a row thing. I think I just utilized a couple months really well and made a lot of content out of it. Because really, how much time do we waste every single day? Forcing myself to that deadline. Because the hardest part for me about making a video is getting the idea, not necessarily the work. And so, but just forcing myself to say like, I'm not going to miss a day or else, <laughs> or else what? I don't know, but I'm not going to miss a day. It forced me to s sit there for hours and force myself to come up with an idea. Otherwise, I probably would have just sat on my bed and watched YouTube videos and like, or just done something else and not have worked. So the deadline it did help me. And then that just built momentum because once you're on day 77 in a row, well, you are, you already have 77 days behind you. It's like a really big habit at this point, a priority. You're not going to just miss a day. Mm -hmm. And so were you creating a new video every single day? Like you said, you were kind of sitting there just like waiting for the idea to come to you. Or were you producing like a couple videos on a single day and then scheduling them out like throughout the week or something? Sometimes if I was, if I was good, I could get a couple videos done in one day. And honestly, that's a better way to do it. But yeah, the problem is like the ideas run dry. Like, so I, if I could, if I had like a million ideas, I could just bang them all out. But yeah, it, it's, it's definitely a lot more healthy and you'll have better <laughs> sleep if you, if you can batch process it or whatever. But yeah. some days I would literally do the video, wake up the next day, do the video because I didn't have reserve ideas. That's crazy. Um, I was going to say that when your channel really started to gain a lot of steam was when you switched over from Photoshop to Premiere tutorials. What made you do that switch? Yeah. So it wasn't actually like such a calculated switch. What it really was is when I switched from doing Photoshop to trying like six or seven different topic ideas. Because I did more than just like I did... Like I told you in the beginning, I just liked making videos. For some reason, I picked Photoshop topics because it was copyright clean and something I was decently knowledgeable about. But ultimately, I just liked making videos and sharing them because it's it was fun for me. So I realized, why am I only doing Photoshop? That's not necessarily what I... That's not why I make videos. I just like making videos. So I started doing video editing because that's... More, I would say was more of my interest than even photo editing because I was making videos of the photo editing because I like making videos. So it got a little meta there, but I did uh, video editing and then, but I also did other stuff like I did book reviews, I did vlogs, I did, I tried like all type of content and then luckily the video editing stuff actually really took off. So I just kind of looked at my data and analytics and that stuff was really working. So I just kept going and going and going. Mm -hmm. And then, so the video that first introduced me to you and your content, which I'm assuming is probably similar for a lot of people, is that Zoom transition tutorial. Yeah, it is my most popular video. So statistically, most people probably, or a lot of people might have came from that. I feel like that, like when you uploaded that, it was like right in the time of when like travel vlogs became like the thing and they were using all these crazy, trendy, different transitions. Do you think we're kind of moving out of that phase of just overwhelming your video with a bunch of just cool transitions to make it appealing to the eye? 
It's funny because I, I think I feel like we should, but the video still keeps getting views, <laughs> and it's still my most viewed video. I do think though, like a couple years ago, even though it was only a couple years ago, it was a different time already. Like when it comes to trends, and I feel like we've matured online from that time so much. But I, I did catch some sort of weird wave of everyone wanting to get into online video content creation, which is another thing that helped with being daily and consistent is you might just get lucky and catch the wave. If you show up every day, one day, you know, you're going to be there when a lot of people come. So, I mean, yeah, I feel like things are changing now and I've slowed down on the video editing tutorials and I'm kind of tinkering around with some other projects, but I still, I still have more to do. Like, I think maybe focusing on After Effects things. And I've even started doing Lightroom stuff. Um, and I want to, and I do do my own podcasts and I have some other things, but it's the same with Photoshop. Like I made 200, 300 Photoshop tutorials. I made like 200 plus Premiere Pro tutorials. I've kind of covered like every topic you might want to know. So I'm I'm still working on, I feel like things go in phases, you know? No, totally. And I think like you just listed off a ton of different tutorials and stuff that you've done. And the tip that you've, that's helped me out the most that I've learned from you is the L key speeding up premiere. Because when it comes to editing my podcast, that saves me so much time. Yeah, that that's a good one. That's, I try to, I try, yeah, I've really touched on like, so I get people on Instagram that DM me all the time. Like, Hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? And I always just, Luckily now I can just direct them to a video I've, I've already done because once you know like the basics, you just mix and match them in a bunch of different ways and it's all the same. It's all masking or layers or or transitions. It's it's all like the same foundational tools. Mm-hmm. And you talked about how like there's a point where you're trying all those different content pieces and there's one I found where you're doing like sit down at a desk talking about Snapchat. Like how long did you oh, yeah. do that content for? Uh, I made like 20 or 30 Snapchat videos. I made Instagram videos. I did it for maybe like, well, I made like 20 or 30 videos. So I think within like a year, but yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't even use Snapchat much anymore. That's fair. Can you tell the story about making a filter of DJ Khaled that got over a million views? (laughs) Yeah. So that was like when I was in college, like I said, uh, I still was almost done with college, but I still needed to figure out a way to pay for it. So I was working, I couldn't juggle everything. I couldn't juggle my hobby online. I couldn't juggle my part-time job or my retail job and school. So there was three things. So I needed to cut it down to two. So I quit my retail job because I said, well, I can at least make as much money here if I just spend as much time doing freelance stuff or graphic design stuff. So eventually that felt that, Part of that was making Snapchat filters for local businesses and stuff. And um, yeah, the highlight of that little small business that I started was that some DJ that I made a filter for was having DJ Khaled come to their club or something. And I made like four or five filters for him. And DJ Khaled actually ended up using one. And uh, it got like, a you can check on your filter stats to see how many views it got. And since he used it and he was like the most popular Snapchatter there there was, I think it got like 1.4 million views or something from him using it. That's wild. 
I mean, I didn't get anything out of that besides the guy that paid me to make the filters for the club, but it was cool. Yeah, still a cool stat to have. Um, but you talk about how you're kind of doing other content types now and different things, and one of them is music video breakdowns. Can you kind of, where did that start to come from? Is that just kind of going back to the old yeah. style of video you used to make and merging it with what you're known for now? Uh, Kind of, yeah. The music video breakdowns, I wouldn't call them new. They're actually just like another thing that I, I mean, I've done music video reactions, editing breakdowns. It's just kind of like, like I was saying, like I've always had a knack for kind of trends and figuring out what will work online and, and different cultures and communities. So the music video thing just, I feel like it naturally draws in. Like nobody cares about a video called like how to cut a clip, but like how to cut a clip, like just new Justin Bieber video. It's like a lot more people will want to watch it because it ties in pop culture with something else especially for a dry thing such as software tutorials, it can help to see how it's actually applied in popular culture. So that, that was just another, like I, I sat down and tried to, it's always good to come up with new series and, and new ideas because like I said, one of them might take off. So mm-hmm. I'm still doing I, that now. Yeah. And another one of those new series that you created was like you mentioned your podcast. So where, where did you just, when did you decide to start your podcast? I think it was like two years ago. I don't recall. I just found myself listening to them more and more and more. And eventually it was like the only thing I was list- watching and listening to was the long form content. Mm-hmm. And also I always had trouble collaborating with people because you can't really collaborate on a tutorial. That's I mean, true, yeah. I You can kind of. I did it like once or twice, but like you can't really. And so it just made sense and I tried it. I really wanted to. Also, I can't, you can't really get out certain ideas and topics in a tutorial. Like I can't talk about the college education system in a tutorial. So it just kind of made sense. I did an episode, did a couple interviews and I still do it. It's definitely not like the biggest draw or heavy hitter view wise or, or anything like that on my channel, but it definitely fills a nice missing slot of being able to collaborate. Um, I've met some really cool people or not Matt, but like I've solidified relationships with some really cool people via the podcast. And so although it's not really paid out in a way, like I definitely spend more time editing and more money setting up the podcast than any other type of content I make and make less return like view wise and monetization wise on, on, on that. So it's cost me the most time, energy and effort and returns me the least but just like relationship wise it it pays off the most i feel like because i've built a lot of cool relationships in that way oh totally and that's what i tell people all the time with my podcast like even if it's not doing like crazy crazy numbers and it's not my full-time job or anything like i'm still meeting people that i never would have met had i not had my own podcast if i just dm'd you be like hey let's jump on a skype call for like an hour for no reason that like you probably wouldn't have said yes. Right. You know what I mean? So it just opens up that door. And like, of course you learn a ton through doing a podcast as well. Right. Cause you get to hear like long form uh, uh, thoughts and opinions from different people around the world. It's really cool. Yeah. It always feels to me like I've read somebody's book after we do like a long episode, mm-hmm. which is and like, you, yeah, nice. I was going to say, you did an episode like on a beach too. Like you're not really yeah, shy, cool. but <laughs> record your podcast. It's like, 
how how did that idea kind of come to fruition? <laughs> well, we were just I don't remember. We were just I think maybe he maybe he suggested it. I'm not sure. But I'm not really shy about I wouldn't have done it if I was by myself, but when you're with other people, it feels easier to record because all the it's not like all eyes are on you. It's like, oh, they're doing something like some project together. It's not just some weirdo recording himself. So it was fun. Yeah. And I have the mics that make sure the audio is not too bad. And I think, I mean, I don't have a dedicated studio. So if I had nice weather everywhere and I think outside episodes are interesting, especially to watch. Mm -hmm. No, for sure. Um, but I was going to ask in terms of like recording yourself, how come with your first podcast episode, you didn't record video and you just did straight audio and a black screen on YouTube? I think, well, I didn't, wasn't doing in person. I kind of, I don't know. I just don't really love webcam quality that much. Um, so, and, and also I listened to a lot of podcasts that were like audio only. I just felt like it's not really about, nobody wants, nobody really cares like to look at a webcam rant for an hour let me just like it's just an audio episode and yeah. so i record when i'm in person but i did a lot of the first calls and i still do like if i was to call someone on skype i'll just do it audio only it just it's just one more easy it's one less thing to worry about for me and the person on the other end just making sure their camera and everything's recording and then editing that it's just one less thing to actually get it done yeah, that's true. Like I used to try and do video when I did the remote recordings, but it got to the point where like it was almost diminishing the overall quality of the audio and the product didn't end up being that great. So I was like, I might as well just do audio so the connection stays solid and there's no issues outside of that. That I, Like just extra things that I have to worry about, like you said. Yeah. And and when I'm in person, it's like black or, it's like black or white. Like or if you're going to do it, do it good. If not, don't do it at all, kind of. Exactly. But can you kind of walk me through your upload process for your regular YouTube videos? Like where all the way from where you get the idea to hitting upload? Um, so I guess I've trained the muscle now years and years later. Like I can generate ideas and I'm always generating ideas, whether I'm watching a movie or watching TV, or just like walking around. I'll always I'll just have ideas pop in my head and think, oh, that might be a good video. So I keep a notepad on my computer, like just on the notes app with like dozens and dozens of potential video ideas. Um, and I'm always adding to that. So it just comes down to if I'm going to be productive during a day and I don't have anything else going on, I'll sit down on my computer. I'll kind of know what idea I want to tackle. I'll have to go get all the material. Like if it's a tutorial, I'll find the right picture. I'll make sure I run through it, make sure it works. Um, and then recording it is actually not too difficult. Probably record it under an hour. And then the thumbnail, uploading, all that. So it varies. If if I have everything all prepped and ready, I might be able to think of do it in like a couple hours. Some but if not, I might just sit there for hours just trying to think of the idea and then it doesn't work and then I scrap it. Mm -hmm. And then how long does editing take for you? And are you still editing all your own videos? I still edit all my own videos. It depends. Um, like a ten, five, ten minute tutorial. Like I said, I can do it from idea to finish in like three hours. That's um, really not bad. But, oh, but like a podcast might take me all day if it's a video podcast. 
might take me all day or if it's some other kind of video it might take me all day so it really depends on the video type but it's not too difficult to the point where i haven't been able to take care of it all myself uh i've dabbled with having people help me with like editing certain clips but i just it's it's in that weird line where it's just easier for me to do it myself at this point although i'm not against not doing it myself and what about like description and tags like how important in that to your video getting views i don't ever feel like description and tags are that important i feel like title and topic and like the actual video is more important the topic is really important i think like i don't care what description and tags you're putting but like if a if a new music video comes out and i know and i use that music video in the right effect i know that's going to be a a popular video what's funny is most of my views don't come from subscribers they come from search and not subscribers so it's kind of like a gift and a curse like i don't actually rely on the subscribers but also i can't rely on them <laughs> so it's like both but yeah just i guess i, I make so much so many how-to videos that like how to export a video i know that's gonna not be like a banger right away but i know it's always gonna get views you know yeah, it's really good, like evergreen content. It's not gonna be like that clickbait thing that just blows up right away. It's gonna slowly over time just amass hundreds of thousands of views. Yeah. And that's been honestly, I've done both kind of content and I kind of feel like the evergreen's better because I've had videos that got half a million views in a couple of weeks and now they don't get any views. And it's like I'd really much rather have the video that just gets like a thousand views every day, every day, you know? Yeah. But then it's like with that in mind, how have you been able to like really grow your following? Like I said, I think you're around 700,000. If most people, they come, they watch tutorial and they bounce right away. Like how have you been able to grow that, like your account to have that many subscribers when making primarily tutorials? Honestly, I feel like a lot of people also subscribe to my channel in a, in weird in weird ways. Like people will subscribe as like a token of appreciation and not necessarily because they want to watch like every new video. A lot of people subscribe like a bookmark, like they know I make helpful content, but they're not necessarily like eager to learn every topic. I always like to compare it to like the Khan Academy model, you know, the guy that does math videos. Yeah. Yeah. Like they have like 5 million subscribers, but some of their videos will get like 200 views, but they post like a 20 videos a day on every single topic so you know they have a huge catalog of evergreen content how did i get to this level of subscribers honestly just making i think like 700 videos is like the most straightforward answer um 700 videos but obviously 700 as best thought out videos as i could with experimentation and obviously i have some sort of knack and intelligence when it comes to just like online content creation and how audiences work. Just, I don't know if I'm, if it's a natural born skill or if I just have like 10 years of experience in it now, but I think that mixed with making hundreds and hundreds of videos mixed with the topic. And I don't know, just kind of, it wasn't like anything magical. I made 700 videos. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you ever foresee a time where you're not making tutorials anymore? Um, I don't know. I, I definitely see a time where I actually really don't know. That's a good question. 
I mean, I've been making them for since 2011. Maybe it won't be the same as you as the same tutorial as what you might imagine a tutorial looks like, but maybe I'll always try to be making helpful content if that's what you mean. Obviously, I mean probably not going to be doing this 10 years from now. Maybe I will. I don't know. But uh yeah, it's it's hard to tell. I don't really have like a 5-year plan. My thing is I've been doing it successfully since not successfully, but I've always had the knack for how to get views 10 years ago. So hopefully 10 years from now I'll still have a knack for how to do it if I want. That's which awesome. is weird. Yeah. Like, but what's that balance then between making content that you want to make versus the content that you know your audience wants to see and you know will get views? I think if you want to grow a channel to a sustainable business, like I wanted this to be my business. So I enjoy making video editing content, but obviously I'm not making 700 tutorials just because I love it so much. I mean, I love video editing, so it doesn't feel like work to me necessarily, but obviously when I make a video on how to export a video or like a 20-minute intro to the basics, it's I have the audience in mind. I feel like if you want to grow large, you do have to kind of be a little bit more more on that lean towards the selfless side rather than selfish. I'm sure there's the opposite examples of people that just do something 100% completely for them and the audience just loves it anyway. But for me, I kind of have to keep the audience in mind. Um, so, yeah, I think that answers the question, right? Yeah, yeah it did. Um, but I was going to ask, like, one thing that I've noticed a lot of people have had some difficulties is moving subscribers from one platform to another. So, like, how have you found trying to get your subscribers to follow you on, like, Instagram or Twitter or stuff like that? I, yeah, I definitely haven't been able to, like, get everyone over also, I've built my audience over seven years or so. Obviously, the most of it being in the last couple. So not everyone's going to come over. Some some of my subscribers might be from 2012. But, you know, I just leave a link to stuff and just, just ask at the end of the videos, I guess. Uh, obviously, you have to be sharing stuff that's useful on Instagram and Twitter, too. It's not like they're going to follow you for a tutorial and then want to see what you ate for lunch every day. Like, I understand that people don't necessarily subscribe for my personality in 100% of the case, but I do have a small diversification of people that also come over to Twitter and Instagram. And more than just uh, beyond just being there for them to look at me and follow me, it's also another great platform to like, if anyone wants to DM me, it's a lot easier to answer people's questions on Instagram and Twitter than it is on YouTube. So and and just have conversations and and be in the mix. So I haven't found it all comes down to honestly views and and the traffic that you're pulling and it's all just like a ratio and a funnel. Like mm -hmm. the more videos you make, the more views you're going to get, which is going to translate to more subscribers, which is going to translate to a certain percentage of those going to Twitter, to Instagram. It's all just like a big traffic funnel almost. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wanted to ask you kind of like if you had any strategy depending on the different social platforms. I know Instagram's your biggest. You're at about 38,000. Like do you have any like specific way you use it or are you just kind of using it whenever and however you want? I like to share more personal stuff on it on Instagram like 
via the stories because you can post temporarily. The thing with like a lot of these platforms, it's like we're posting permanent videos, not like technically permanent, but permanent in a sense, videos of our thoughts and ideas, which are temporary. So it's kind of doesn't make sense to post a tweet of a passing thought when you're not going to feel like that a week from now. So I really like the stories because like, hey, I like this song or I'm reading this book right now, but I don't want this to be ar archived. Is it archived or archived? It's archived. <laughs> I don't want it to be archived here forever because maybe like a year from now, I'm going to be like, I can't believe I was listening to that. I can't believe I was reading that. But um, yeah, my strategy is I, I like to post memes and stuff too. I feel like memes work on Instagram, but really just it's a great platform like the dms are just great like to answer people's questions and also like connecting with people and networking with people you kind of have to do it on twitter and instagram in this industry of digital media to be honest if it wasn't for what i do i wouldn't really have much social media or be active on it like before i did this my personal instagram was like pretty quiet i wouldn't post much Definitely not the type to share every single thing, but in a way, it's kind of like my job. Mm -hmm. But it's also personal in a way. It's, it's weird, you know? Yeah, I get you. Uh, but one thing you said there that I actually had written down that I wanted to talk to you about was the memes. They're like industry memes. They're very niche to the type of content that you make. So do you create these yourself or do you just find these online and repost them because they're funny? No, I make them, but I base them on formats that I find funny. Like I'll see a funny format and then I'll see, and then I'll think if it's like applicable to like what, what I do. So mm. I, I don't make the, all the formats, but I'll, I'll make the, I'll make it turn into like a premiere meme or, or video editing meme or like something really ridiculous and niche most of the time. Sometimes I am reposting stuff, but. Do you think that like it's helped new people find your YouTube content? Because it's very relatable like to anybody that uses any pretty much any of the Adobe suite. Like your memes are funny and they're like niche because you don't really find memes about Premiere anywhere else. Like, so do you think that people see this, think it's funny, share it, which then exposes new people to your YouTube videos? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's like a huge amount of people, but definitely when I post memes, you can see on the insights on Instagram. Like I could see hundreds of people share it to their friends and DMs and whatever. As how many of those people are actually going back to the YouTube and like subscribing? I'm not sure, but obviously I'm not mad that people are sharing it. And I'm sure lots of people see it and like big accounts repost them, which is kind of weird. Like <laughs> I don't mind that <laughs> it's, it's weird. The biggest Instagram pages just like congregate a whole bunch of content, aggregate a whole bunch of content for other people but it's cool they it's a win-win i guess um so yeah people definitely maybe i'll get an instagram follow from it and maybe that'll translate into more yeah i just asked that because like i saw you post the memes and made me think of how lil nas x as a old town Rome blew up because i like i heard he started putting it behind a bunch of memes when he made the song and posting it everywhere and people were sharing the memes because it was funny but his song was behind it. So that kind of helped gain that first wave of steam behind his song was he was like using his content in a way that was relatable to culture. And that really helped kind of pop off that song. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I found that song. And yeah, I think when it comes to music, 
memes are just a very powerful marketing tool as ridiculous as they seem um mm. i don't do it as like some stoic scientist who's making these memes but like i'm not really laughing at all i also find them funny and they also happen to be a pretty good marketing tool although yeah. it's it's kind of just like i said with the tutorials like if you're just making memes and then you post a selfie it's like oh we don't care about you we're actually just here for the memes so it's like a balance you have to mm-hmm. balance everything and i've heard a lot of people talk about like i think yourself included is the importance of having multiple revenue streams so now i'm not looking for numbers or specifics or anything i'm just looking for like kind of an overall how how that looks like your revenue so from my from kind of what i saw you make money through adsense sponsored content digital products and affiliate marketing so my highest revenue stream is uh flipping cryptocurrency <laughs> no, i'm just kidding <laughs> i'm just joking um no i think if you're gonna make a sustainable business out of this like i said it's very difficult i don't know if everyone is gonna be able to do it um but if you are gonna try to do it then you want to try to be squeezing the juice out of the orange as much as possible so you know i have uh, my own products i have ad revenue on youtube affiliate commissions and then the occasional like working with brands on things um I think I could, I have a video where I list them all. That probably is a little bit more organized on my channel. But yeah, just just the idea of if you're getting a thousand views, instead of getting $1 for it, figure out how you can get 10. That way you don't have to be getting tens of millions of views because, I mean, my channel is mid-size on YouTube, but it's definitely not the largest. But thankfully I'm able to make a living out of it. Um, And I think it's a lot easier to make a living if you're getting the most juice out of it you know so that way you don't have to be getting tens of millions of views do you remember the first time a brand came to you and like said they were going to pay you to produce some content um no i don't really remember honestly because i guess i've been working with brands or clients when i had quit my retail job i started doing the social media for this local energy drink company and that was cool to get checks for like doing content on Instagram. That mm. was like the first time when I held like a physical check. I was like, oh, that's cool. But other than that, it's not, I, I don't work with too many brands only like unless it makes sense. And it seems to, and it's never been like, it's always been a pretty reasonable, fair exchange. Never been like crazy. But sometimes it is still crazy. Like I can't believe I'm getting paid for doing a live stream or doing something like this that I enjoy doing. Yeah. And what about, uh, so you mentioned clients there. So are you still doing any client work at all? Or is it pretty much a hundred percent YouTube right now? Um, no, I'd say my client is like the community, um, or myself, I guess. And unless, unless like I just did like, unless it's a, something with a brand, which is maybe like a couple times a year I do. If that that's considered a client, I guess. But other than that, no, I really dislike client work. Like, I just it's not for me. Mm-hmm. But I did want to ask about your digital products. I think that's super interesting. Like, how long does it take you to produce one of those? Like, you recently put out was the VHS pack, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, from idea to execution, at least like six months. Wow. Uh, I, 
of actual work. It's definitely not six months. Sometimes it, I just have all the stuff sitting there. And like I look at it for a couple of weeks. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, that's all in the process. But yeah, um, the fastest I've ever made one was... I think it usually takes me around six months to like get the idea and edit it down to the final product. Okay. And then, so like I, I heard you talk about one time, it was a conversation around not like discounting your work and stuff like that. And people like will message you to try to get your pack for free or they'll like flip it on uh, Reddit, like you're talking about. So like, where do you land on with creators kind of discounting their product? Do you think that they should kind of remain firm at the price that they're charging or where do you, what's your kind of comfort level with that? Uh, I'm not against discounts. Like right now, I'm, I, I have done bundles and stuff like buy to get a promo or like certain things, but like, I personally don't like, once you have to start discounting it, like 70% off over and over, people will never buy it at full price. So I, I'd rather make it the price that I think it should be. And then, you know, the occasional thing like here and there five or 10% or, or buy two, get this, or get this bonus thing. But, you know, I'm going to make, I'm not going to make it $200 just so I can make it 70% off. I'd rather just sell it at the actual price, you know, because then people don't want to buy it if it's always on sale. But I feel like I've made my products worth it. So thankfully they are. And then you've also got a couple of like free packs is there as well. Where do those play into your overall strategy? Cause I'm sure those took some time to put together as well. So why do you just give those ones away for free? Yeah. That's the other thing. Like rather than discount for, I, I got this, I read this in, I think like a book on pricing or something. There was a section. It's like either sell it or give it away for free. Like not really going to do like the 99 cents thing or, or the four ninety nine thing. I'm either going to sell it. Or give it away so the stuff that i and i really do try to make my products worth it so i'm not gonna make like a free footage pack or i'm not gonna sell like the footage pack because it didn't take me that long i put it together in like a week or two or a couple weeks but the stuff that i really made worth it i'm gonna make worth it and the other thing is these are not like life or death medicines so i don't feel bad for selling them i don't feel like i i don't feel like i should have to give away like certain presets and things like that because it's like you don't need them at the end of the day it's if you want to save a whole bunch of time or if they're going to fit in your budget here's this preset that might cost you 50 bucks here but maybe you're working on a two thousand dollar music video and it's going to save you one day which would cost you five hundred dollars so i'm selling it for who i'm selling it to i'm not trying to appeal to everybody selling it for who would buy it you know that's yeah, my no. psychology on that. Yeah. So like how, so you, it takes you six months to put these things together. So do you scale back your YouTube output during that time so you can focus on making these packs or do you try and do it in a way where you can still be consistent with YouTube and just add this work on top of it? Uh, yeah, I don't like go quiet for six months, but when I'm, like I said, it takes me six months from idea to execution. But if I was to condense all the work down, it maybe is really only a month of solid work. I mean, but you know, it takes time. So for that like final couple weeks where I'm really getting ready to launch and I really have to finish the pack, I, I, yeah, I can't do both. So I scale back. Okay. And then it's like, what are some of the hardest struggles of being a YouTuber then? 
Um, I'd say f- just like getting to that point where it's financially su- sustainable to be something full time. And then aside from that, like, I guess it all ties in, but yeah, just getting to that point of sustainability. Yeah. And then, so what does your schedule look like as someone that does YouTube pretty much full time? Like what is, what do you do in the average day? Um, it's pretty, it's pretty great now because I'm not doing like the daily thing, yeah. but then again, I am kind of like, you know, more behind the scenes phase, like a little bit more low key working on stuff. I go in phases. I mean, I, I've been doing YouTube since 2011, so I go on and off and on and off. I'm kind of like doing a bit of a recharge right now. Um, before I go all in on the con, like when I was building my past two products, kind of took it back a little bit because, you know, when you're building the, the website and the product and the systems around it, it helps make it more sustainable. And then once you build the systems, you can actually go in there and work in them. It's like a balance between working on your business and in your business. So, but besides that, my average days nowadays are pretty freestyle. Like I, like today we're doing this podcast, but if I have something like this, it'll be in the schedule. Um, I have main top priorities that I try to do every day, like, like most valuable actions. If I can do like a video, that's a productive day. Or if I can like go exercise or read a little bit, that's a productive day. But other than that, it's pretty great because I can just wake up whenever and I do stay up late and I can go eat lunch whenever I want and stuff like that. So I'm not going to act like, but then again, I'm also not the most, I'm not also not the biggest YouTuber or the, or the biggest grinder. Like, I feel like I found a really happy balance of having a non-stressful lifestyle, but also being able to work, but it goes in phases. Like I need to start pushing out some content again now. Mm-hmm. But like, so for most people, just the schedule you kind of described and what you do, it's a lot of people's dream jobs nowadays, but what are some things people wouldn't expect necessarily about being a YouTuber and creator full time? Um, yeah. So like now it's awesome, but I think if you took everything, the whole journey and averaged, averaged it out, it would, it wouldn't be like I had days where I would be staying up to like 5 a.m. working and I often do. So I think it averages out. But I do think that there's a certain beauty in being able to pick your own schedule. And I and I have worked and I have worked regular jobs and gone to school and done everything. So the greatest thing is just being able to pick my own schedule and and travel and meeting people. Obviously, I'm paying for travel, but it's just like a lot of cool opportunities and things that that I definitely don't feel like I'm working all the time. Like if my life feels like I've gotten to this point where I'm really lucky to be able to just wake up when I want, like without an alarm clock, that alone, I feel really lucky and be able to work from wherever I want. You know, there's mm-hmm. just certain things that I do feel really awesome about. I did work very, very hard, but 
it was worth it in my opinion. So I'm not going to act like, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not, it's not like I'm some master genius that like concocted this plan, but I think it was worth it. And it is, if someone, if someone would look at this like desirable or, or to be the dream, obviously it's always not, the grass is always greener on the other side. It's not everything that you think it is. And there's work involved. But if you want to strive towards a lifestyle where you're more free and and responsible over your schedule and you kind of have some ownership over some parts of your work, I think that's a totally great goal. And it is great. And I would recommend you do it. Mm-hmm. But so one thing I've heard a conversation around like online, different podcasts and stuff is once you start getting paid to do the thing that you love, you almost kind of fall out of love with it. So as someone that started creating videos and editing because you love to do it, how has that been making it your job? Like, have you kind of fallen out of love somewhat? Like, has it lost a little bit of its lore creating these videos or do you still love it just as much as you did seven years ago? I always stumble into new hobbies and loves like every couple of years, like, whether it's I pick up a guitar or pick up a piano or get really into books or get, you know, I always pick up hobbies and luckily video and, and online content creation, I think is just something that I naturally really enjoy doing and just internet stuff in general. Mm. So luckily I didn't just fall out of, out of interest to, of it in a couple of years. Obviously I do fall out of interest in like certain topics. Like I kind of got tired of making Photoshop tutorials and now I kind of got tired of doing like premiere tutorials in a way, but I'm not, I don't think I'll ever get tired of sharing, creating and sharing stuff. So it's a give and take. So I'm, I'm happy with that balance. That's awesome. But I kind of wanted to pick your brain on a couple different trends in the YouTube space right now. Sure. One was deplatforming. Like a lot of people with complaining with algorithms and stuff like that and being demonetized. Some people are starting to go off platform and create their own platform. Do you think that's like a serious thing that we're going to start seeing more and more creators do over time? Or do you think people are going to kind of stick to YouTube? I'm lucky that I've never done like any sort of insightful, insightful as in like I-N-C-I-T-E. Is that even a word? like Mm -hmm. any topic that would incite violence or anything like that. It's just like I'm making educational content. So I'm lucky that I've never really had to worry about demonetization and stuff like that too much. I do think everyone should diversify. Like I have my own website. I have Instagram. I have Twitter. I have my own podcast. YouTube is obviously, it would suck if I lost it. It's the biggest one, but I could figure out what to do. I think I have, I have, I have other things and that's also the other thing is like save your money because who knows what this with this online space how things are going and and be aware that you know you're on someone else's platform so you are at mercy of algorithms sometimes and things like that so diversification is always good I don't know about just complete I mean what what else was the part of your question I was just like, do you ever see like people really like moving off of YouTube entirely because they're done dealing with being demonetized, different things like that? Like maybe not necessarily you specifically, but for someone like, for example, like Philip DeFranco's created DeFranco Elite now where people can 
uh, like subscribe and get his content earlier because he's dealt with being demonetized and stuff like that. Like, do you think more and more bigger YouTubers that deal with this will start to move off and create their own platforms and websites to drive people to instead of putting their videos on YouTube? Oh, okay. I think, uh, yeah, the answer to that, I think is like diverse. You should always diversify. Mm. I don't know about the whole, like, let's create our own YouTube. That's probably not realistic or like ever going to work. Um, there are a few minority of creators that I think do a great job with having their own, like having their own email list or having their own platform in a way, as in like they have their own newsletter or they have, they have their own Patreon, but not Patreon, like something more direct. I think there are a few people that, that can own that, that format because their audience loves them so much that they're going to directly just go to their website for their comics or their whatever. I think if it's drastic, yeah. But other than that, like use all the platforms and diversify, but never put all your eggs too much into like, just manage your risk, you know? Mm -hmm. And what about live streaming? Like, do you think that's going to become a more and more important piece of the puzzle when it comes to content? I've always enjoyed live streaming and it's great that technology has made it more possible now. Cause back, back in the day, it'd be much harder. Now you can just go live from your phone. Um, yeah, I think live streaming is awesome. If you're a creator, you should dabble into it and see if you can, or see if it's, if it's something you might be able to include in your, in your content mix. I, I enjoy it, but is it growing? Yeah. I think as technology continues to grow and it's definitely gotten huge with this video gaming stuff. I do think though, ultimately, um, on demand video will always be, have the edge over live just because not everyone can be awake at the same time or on at the same time. And this is why Netflix and on-demand videos like YouTube and Netflix, I think will always have the edge over live. Like even live streamers like Ninja and stuff, pretty sure get more views on their video replays and stuff and highlights. Yeah, I think I think you're right with that too. But you touched on gaming and like, how do you see esports as a trend continue like do you predict it to continue to emerge and grow like we just saw the Fortnite world cup where a kid got like three million dollars for playing and winning the being the best Fortnite player in the world like do you think esports is going to grow and youtube's going to kind of grow with it because i feel like youtube gaming is there but it's not necessarily like the most prominent platform when it comes to gaming i don't know which platform is going to grow the most because of it but yeah i think esports is going to continue to grow it's going to continue to become more legitimate and it's going to continue to get more fans as the younger generation grows up and they're, they've been born with it. It's like, it's just normal to them. So I think it's going to continue to grow into bigger events. Is there ever a scenario down the road where you kind of get back into gaming like you did? <laughs> Probably not. Honestly, I don't play much games anymore. Um, I played Fortnite a little bit when it first came out. I play like some games on my phone, like... I play chess like hey I'm just getting old but uh yeah I don't really see myself like gaming too hard I I have a little bit different interest nowadays but I mean I had some fun playing Fortnite in like the first couple months that it came out so maybe there'll be some crazy game that brings me back in but I think it'll always be a casual thing like I'll never be playing like I used to be <laughs> what about the rise of audio like, is that, I know you have your own podcast now. Is that something you're kind of taking seriously as people start to consume more and more without the visual aspect? 
I think it just ties back into like the diversification thing. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I have a, I'm not going to say it, but the girl whose name starts with an A sitting next to me here <laughs> from the company Amazon. <laughs> and uh, I love using it. And uh, I consume audio all the time in the car. And it's another one of those things like, I have a podcast, which is cool because if YouTube shuts down, at least I still have that. Mm-hmm. So I, another one of those things. Yeah. And I don't know if you follow Gary V too often, but he talks a lot about audio branding. And uh, I feel like you kind of have that down already with your intro. Like it is you, like everyone knows as soon as you start your intro that who, like who is behind this video and what type of video they're going to get just based off the sound they hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think I've just learned how to format a video. Like, introduce it say what they're gonna learn show them and then tell them what they just learned and then next video (laughs) so um yeah i mean just diversification i i definitely believe in in audio and everything but who knows where the future will go i think video is still also not going anywhere yeah but speaking of video like what are who are some people that you follow online like whether it be YouTubers or Instagrammers, like what's some content you're currently consuming? Um, honestly, I consume all types of, like you think I just watch photo and video editors, but really I don't. It's funny. Like I am much more into, like I like watching, I like, I'm into music, like like watching interviews of musicians and artists, um, just podcasts in general, like, Obviously, everyone watches Joe Rogan, but, you know, depends on the guest. Um, And I've honestly gotten really into reading, so I don't even listen to podcasts as much anymore. I'd rather just read a book. I know that sounds like I'm very smart, but (laughs) (laughs) Um, like I used to be reading. And like you said with Gary Vee, like I used to watch him a lot and I still... Like, I love the info that he puts out, and I think he, he really helped me out. But I feel like I kind of have absorbed the message. I still follow him on Instagram, but I'm not watching, like, the two-hour keynotes anymore like I was. Mm-hmm. I do feel like like I've got the message, and he's really helpful. But And I've kind of, even with business books and whatnot, like, I feel like once you've read, like, five or six of them, you've read all of them. And maybe I just have the privilege now that... I have hundreds and hundreds of videos going up and I'm not as much in that grind phase that I can read like some ancient Greek play, but I don't know. I've just gotten into, into reading and stuff. It's like, what um, kind of reading? Do you have any recommendations? Just, uh, just reading like the classics right now. Cause I've, I've kind of, uh, I've kind of been illiterate my whole life, not illiterate, but, but like I've never read the classics. So I'm just reading like the classics and I'm getting into philosophy, which is probably not good for you. Right. (laughs) Just like stuff that has nothing to do with business. I don't know. I enjoy it. That's cool though. It's interesting to see like the diversification, like how diverse people's interests are. Right. Like you said, you don't just sit and watch like Photoshop and video tutorials all day, which honestly, like, I think that'd be pretty tough to consume those just like back to back to back, but it's just cool to hear the perspective of like all these people that consume a bunch of different things. Yeah. And and it's just growing and in, in your interest. And like you said, luckily for me, making videos still 
hasn't fell from my interest, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, who knows? Maybe I'll get back into, maybe I'll become a professional guitar player and post covers on my channel. <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, just see see where your interests go and, and follow them. And that way you won't hate your life or hate your job. I think if you started playing guitar channels, that should be a turn no one would expect on your channel. Yeah, I suck though. So I'd have to get a lot better. <laughs> Is there anything in culture you're kind of keeping an eye on right now? Like anything like trends or different things that society as a whole that you're kind of observing from a distance? Um, I guess I just observe what i'm into and usually what I, what you're into there's always a bigger community around it like i said i'm getting really into like philosophy and books and stuff and then all of a sudden i find oh look at all these huge channels about and like when i did get into chess i was like wait what the heck there's all these huge channels about about chess that i never realized really so there's all these com yeah there really is like there's this guy with like half a million subscribers and he gets like tens of thousands of views on every video <laughs> wild yeah like you'd never imagine it so i think if you just follow your interests it'll lead you into the, all these communities that already exist and i don't know you can just kind of like i feel like i'm always kind of early on stuff too not to sound like a hipster but <laughs> but i feel like i've i've oftentimes maybe it's a maybe it's a in hindsight things and maybe in hindsight it appears this way but like I'll, I'll get into something and then it'll become like really huge. Mm -hmm. It's probably totally hindsight. And that probably sounded ridiculous. Um, as you say, what's next for you, man? Um, uh, I don't know. I'm just going to continue. I'm just going to continue, uh, making more new ideas. I want to reach a million subs. Obviously numbers don't matter, but I'm this far. So <laughs> we're just going to grind out to a million. Just going to, I, I really, I used to have all these goals on my notes app, but I just deleted them all because I'm just trying to like enjoy life, I guess, and just work. That's it sounds very, right. uh, it sounds cliche, but I don't have much specific goals anymore. I'm just going to, I just enjoy each moment and try to do my work and hopefully I hit the lottery on some crazy Bitcoin gamble and don't have to do anything anymore. <laughs> awesome. Uh, I say before we wrap up, I ask everyone the same kind of standard, like five or six questions. Sure. Uh, first one being you're going to dinner and you can take three people. It can be anybody dead or alive. Who would you take to dinner? Mm, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer this one. I'd have to sit down and look at everyone, but it would probably be like some, some author some musician and someone else i don't know okay that's fair. i'd have to i'd have to study the whole span of history to see who, who it's a very important meeting i couldn't just tell you off the top of my head that's fair uh what's some of the best advice you've ever gotten best advice i've gotten is not to take advice <laughs> okay. sounds contradictory yeah but uh just like know yourself, trust yourself, know yourself kind of like understand that other people might know better than you in some areas, but also you might know better than other people in some areas mm -hmm. in a way. So trust your, 
Trust your gut. What's one thing about you that people would not expect? I think I said it all. Or yeah, yeah like I'm into philosophy. <laughs> I know. Um, what's one thing? I'm more funny in person than I am on my tutorials. Okay. I guess it's kind of tough to be like really humorous with the tutorial, right? Because people are just there. They want yeah. to. For- <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't know. I feel like I try to just be pretty authentic online. Obviously, more and more lately, I kind of get wary about sharing personal stuff online. I'd rather just keep business and personal separate, but I don't know. Maybe in a couple of years, I'm going to regret taking such a career choice or like being such a public figure. But I mean, I'm not a huge public figure. But yeah, so I don't with, know. That, with that in mind. <laughs> like recognized in public or anything do people come up to you because they recognize you from youtube most often i mean it's happened once or twice but i can usually walk about my day-to-day without the funny thing is maybe most people wouldn't realize this about me as i walk about my day-to-day i actually don't like think of myself as a youtuber i don't think of myself as anything like out of the normal at all so when I if I do get recognized like one time at an airport, it always hits me for a shock because I'm like, wait, I was like, oh yeah, I have that I have that YouTube thing where I posted hundreds and hundreds of videos. <laughs> it's like I forget that I did that. Yeah. <laughs> Even though I do it every single day, but I don't associate my identity with it in a way. That's good though, but I mean, it's just like you don't think you're bigger than everyone else just because you you've grown a YouTube channel. Yeah, not even that. It's like it's almost a separate thing than me. Like Mm -hmm. I'm me and the YouTube channel is also me, but it's not me. It's like my business. Yeah. It's almost like you're, you're like punching. I don't identify as my YouTube channel. Yeah. Uh, What's one thing that's so important. Everybody needs to know. Oh man. That's a tough one too. I don't know if everybody needs to know anything, but I don't know. <laughs> I can't answer that one. Okay, we can always skip questions. If Think. You I don't know. Okay. For the last question, I kind of like to flip the script a little bit. So if you had like a crystal ball that you could look into and you could get the answer to any question you wanted, what is one question you would want to know the answer to? I'm not going to want to know the answer to the meaning of life because then that would be probably like too much for me to handle. Okay. So it'll probably just be something like, some back to the future stuff like who's going to win the world series so that i can become rich off of it (laughs) then invest it in bitcoin yeah no that's probably ridiculous if i could know anything i don't know i could probably do something better like know the cure to all suffering or something Mm -hmm. but that's see you're getting so philosophical now you're actually into philosophy (laughs) (laughs) i I don't know it'd probably be something ridiculous like what stock should I invest in? Other than that, the question gets too deep. Fair enough. But uh, I just wanted to thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast today. I wanted to give you the floor, plug everything and anything you got right now. Where can the people find you? Sure. I guess just uh, if you want, you can check out my YouTube channel. If you want to see what type of content I make or if you're into photo, video editing and all that. Um, or if you just want to keep in touch with me, follow me on Instagram or Twitter. I think it's the best places. And if you, I guess you can go to justinodishow.com if you just want the homepage that links to everything. But thank you if you did listen this far. That's really awesome. 
It's like an hour listening to me rambling. So I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. And I wanted to thank, just like you did, thank everybody to listening to, for the listening to this podcast, whether you've listened the entire way through or you've only listened to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Guys, do me a big favor. Go and follow Justin if you need anything, if you need to know anything about photo, video, it's he'll have the answer for you. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. And if you'd like to follow me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at, at the Jacob Kelly. Come and say hello. Send me a DM. I'm always there to chat. Or if you'd like to see some clips from the podcast, you can search up uh, my social life on YouTube and Instagram and it will come up. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.